Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 from SEC Media Days 2023 in Nashville. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here. And now we're pleased to be joined by Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports. Brandon, the time is greatly appreciated. How have things been for you this week? Great. I'm starting to get worn down here on the on the Wednesday. It's uh, the third day. Usually you start to get a little worn down and then... Uh, then everything ends like suddenly on Thursday. It's like mid afternoon, or mid afternoon, and you're already leaving. It's weird. Uh, have you ever had the temptation to? And I know that you have other responsibilities now, being uh, a national reporter. But have you ever been tempted to be one of the last ones standing at Feinbaum on Thursday <laughs> afternoon? Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm a I'm a grinder. So yeah. You know what? If he's going to do it again, maybe i just skip Pac-12 Media Day and I'll just stay here and win that contest again. Yeah, we heard there's no TV deal to be announced, so they're going to announce. I don't know that they're still working on it. I don't know. Anyway, let's I'm get going for Dion. That's what I'm going for. That's fair. That's fair. I want to see Dion. Uh, and, of course, Auburn had a head coaching search, which, of course, amongst fans, Dion Sanders was mentioned a few times, but ultimately going the Hugh Freeze route. Uh, so what did you think of that hire and in just the last seven months or so trying to build momentum leading up to the season? I, I think it was a great hire. You know, when it was all we were talking about and reporting on it, I mean, Lane Lane Kiffin was going to be the guy. They wanted him, but Hugh Freeze was obviously uh, up there as well, and, and they got him. Um, I think either of them would have been great hires, and Hugh Freeze completely understands the dynamic, the culture of Auburn. He also understands what it takes to recruit in the SEC and get those type of players. And I'll say this, they, they absolutely killed it in the transfer portal when he got there and continues to kill it. And what I'm really excited to see from the outside looking in is what they're doing recruiting-wise for 2024 and 2025 with high school kids. They have been getting after it from what I've been told. And you look at the rankings and everything, it's like, well, you don't see Auburn in the top ten or whatever. Well, that's that's coming in the recruiting rankings for them here in the next, like, six months or so, I believe. They're making a lot of great inroads. And, um, you know, listen, uh, Auburn fans, you're, you're going to want to see them win this year, and I think they will get to a bowl game. I think they're going to win six games this year. They are better than they were last year. Uh, but the issue is is that most of the teams in the SEC this season are better than they were last year, too, other than Georgia. When you look at uh, Hugh Freeze, what were your thoughts on uh, his performance back at Media Days yesterday? I right, listen, I, it was very much kind of what I've expected from him of, you know, listen, we're trying to build this thing, and um, I do feel like we've gotten better since I've been there. And, um, you know, uh, very much kind of uh, status quo as much as you could, can expect from Hugh Freeze and the way he goes about doing his job. It, you know, it, it reminded me a little bit about, you know, his first media days uh, when he was at Ole Miss, um, kind of downplaying uh, any, like, expectations in that first season. Though I think here he was a little bit more was embracing it by just straight up saying we've gotten better. Um, but what does that actually, you know, include? And he, he said, I, I don't know what my team's going to be look like. I don't know what it's going to be like when we're out there on the practice field. And, um, you know, in this day and age in the transfer portal and you had to bring in a lot of guys like that, there's not a lot of programs out there that can say, hey, I know what the identity of my team is, even after the first week of preseason camp, because there's just so many new pieces. And then Auburn, one of those new pieces they did add was Peyton Thorne out of Michigan yeah. State. There had been a long process of trying to, to trying to find someone in the portal that Auburn really wanted to 
go after after Robbie Ashford had a less than stellar, at least passing season last year. I know yeah. he made some plays with his legs, but what do you think of that quarterback battle? Is it Peyton Thorns to lose, and, and, and how much does he change what, what Auburn's trying to do this year? I think it is Peyton Thorne's job to lose. Um, I watched him play once in person, Peyton Thorne, and it was uh, 2021 against uh, Michigan. And uh, he obviously had a Heisman-worthy running back for him. And they had to come back in that game and win. And Peyton was very even-keeled in that game when they were having to battle back the way they did. Had some great touch on the ball. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Um, and obviously had some really great connections with the receivers there because, you know, one of the guys there he known since middle school. But now he goes into this dynamic where he's kind of, he's kind of the – veteran NFL free agent that came in and now you're in there and you're being told hey you got to win over this team immediately and prove yourself to them but you also need to elevate the play of everybody else around you and I'm not sure Peyton Thorne's been asked really to do that previously at Michigan State uh, you need to make these guys better by performing the way we expect you to perform so uh, we'll see how that goes here in August but I think it's an obvious upgrade for them at quarterback. One more Auburn question for you before we kind of branch it out to the rest of the league. When we look at kind of the style of wide receiver that Hugh Freeze likes, dating back to his time at Ole Miss, these bigger bodied guys, as opposed to someone like Gus Malzahn, who had the occasional bigger guy but loved a lot of slot guys, loved the bubble screen stuff. I know Hugh Freeze will do a little bit of everything, but they brought in a lot of different wide receivers. What Do you have a preference in style of wide receiver that you think works best in this league? Again, Auburn going with yeah. the much bigger type of guy. I like the bigger guys in this day and age the last two, three years because, I mean, uh, listen, you cannot teach height. You cannot teach athleticism. You can't teach a DB to out-jump someone who is, you know, six inches taller than you and has a – yeah. so uh, you got to have a good mix of them, obviously. You can't be playing like a six-foot-eight guy in the slot and also on the outside. I mean, you could. But why not? But – you got to have a good mix there. you got to have some speedy guys. And, um, uh, you know, like you said, look at Ole Miss, man. He had some absolute superstars there. And um, it's a matter of time before he gets the same thing there at Auburn. Let's look at some of the teams that are going to be occupying the same part of the standard with Auburn, the Texas A&M's, Arkansas's of the world this year. A lot of fluctuation in results out of especially Texas A&M the last couple of years. Uh, Arkansas needing another year in what will be K.J. Jefferson's last year. Even Ole Miss, who has a, a fascinating quarterback battle. Yeah. Uh, how do you kind of sort through these teams somewhere in these, the, you know, the three to six range in the SEC West? To me, it's going to be who has the better quarterback. Um, and I don't know who will or, you know, I think a lot of people are assuming that like a K.J. Jefferson, who is a veteran guy, is maybe that person in that mix. But to me, the issue for him is that he is going into a new offense now under Dan Enos. The, the verbiage is just so much more uh, complex. He's being asked now to do more things pre-snap. You know, Kendall Browse at Arkansas is very much like, let's run to a piece of grass, throw the ball, get back to that piece of grass, and keep going. Danny Eno's offense is very pro style. They're going to be going under center more. He's being asked to do more pre-snap and read. Even just in the huddle, he's calling out the long play in the huddle. He wasn't do that with Kendall Bryles. So, um, I, and also, I just don't think because of that style of offense, he's not going to be able to probably put up the type of numbers you've seen in the past. So... I say all that to say this. A guy like K.J. Jefferson, 
who a lot of us just assume is maybe one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the SEC, maybe his production isn't what quite what it's going to be, and he doesn't lift Arkansas to above that the, the middle of the fold there. Um, and then, you know, my goodness, I to me, I think LSU has got a slight edge over Alabama right now as the best team in the SEC West, um, and it's because of the quarterback situation. And Will Rogers at Mississippi State, I, I think he's in for – a big year, um, and so I'm talking my way through this. Uh, to me, I, I think Will Rogers at Mississippi State is the better quarterback out of those guys right now. Is going to have the better year, and that's going to put Mississippi State in a position to um, kind of, not kind of, but outperform expectations. I think they're going to be voted sixth or seventh in the SEC West this this year. But they got a lot of returning pieces, and they're going to run the ball a little bit more effectively this year. And Will Rogers has already set. 29 school records at Mississippi State where Dak Prescott was just a quarterback less than a decade ago. So uh, I kind of like Mississippi State to surprise some folks. And, and you know, when you look at the rest of the, when you look at the conference, when you look at the East, does does Tennessee, with, with what's going on at Georgia, the quarterback position, does Tennessee have a chance here to, to maybe sneak up and grab the East from Georgia, or is it still theirs to lose? I, I think it's Georgia. Um, there's a little bit of a gap between Georgia and the second team, and I do think that second team is Tennessee. Um because Heupel's offense is designed as such that, not to say it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, and Joe Milton's a really great quarterback, but people keep trying to criticize Joe Milton as a guy that's not as accurate downfield or whatever. He's got a huge arm. We've all seen the videos him throwing in 80, 90 yards. But he doesn't necessarily have to be deadly accurate for them to score points because Heupel's offense and the way they design it is they're just they're getting guys wide open. They're scheming guys open, and he's just kind of got to throw in the neighborhood. Um, and I think Tennessee is going to score a lot of points again this year, and that's going to make them competitive against every SEC team and every other team on their schedule other than maybe Georgia because I don't think they can compete in the trenches with Georgia as we saw last year. A couple more for Brandon Marcello talking to him here on Wednesday of SEC Media Days. Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports. Brandon, I think that when we talk about this league, we're all, obviously we're focused on the 2023 element, but – the Oklahoma and Texas Elephants coming in in 2024, they changed a lot of dynamics about this league. And with the spring meetings in Destin last month, a lot going into it in the spring. There was momentum for nine. We got to Destin, and some teams were like, wait a minute, uh, let's go to let's, – let's keep it uh, keep it at eight for another year. Where do you stand on, on what ultimately the league should do and what they will end up doing once they see kind of the 2024 dynamic? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think they should go to nine games. I think ultimately they will go to nine games here in the next couple few years. Um, they just need to work out the details with that and quell any fears that some of those schools might have or maybe make some uh, adjustments to, 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 to make them feel comfortable with it. But I think nine games is, is coming. It just makes sense from a television inventory standpoint. Also makes sense from matchups and what they're wanting to do. Um, and then also because you got, as you mentioned, OU and Texas coming in, <clears throat> them playing a neutral site game every year uh, game, uh, they're going to want maybe potentially another SEC game on their schedule anyway so they can help themselves out their home schedule. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I think a nine-game schedule is coming. I was surprised we did not get it this spring about, uh, say, about a week, week or two before spring meetings, uh, people I was talking to started saying, it looks like we're getting, going to stick with eight. And I said, are, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, I want nine myself, but I was like, are you kidding me? How is this 
been a year and there's been no progress made on this and the feeling was is that progress was being made and then there was a little bit of push and then a couple more voices came up and that was enough to, to stall things for another year or two. If they do go to nine, assuming it happens here in a couple of years, I know Commissioner Sankey mentioned on Monday there's also the consideration of non-conference opponents, some teams filling out a bunch of those for, for several years to come. And we have some wild deals where some schools have even scheduled a big non-conference game in the 2030s, even though who knows what will happen by then. Yeah. Well, what kind of non-conference requirements should there or could there be if there is not? Would, would we still see a Power 5 opponent for all these teams, or would the league kind of relax their policy there? That's a great question. I think it's possible they will relax the policy, uh, though there really hasn't been any movement made there. I also think that the SEC, in a lot of ways, they wish they could uh, – you know, uh, fast forward in time and see what the 12-team playoff looks like after the first two or three years and whether playing an actual extra power five team of your non-conference is going to hurt or help you. Uh, the numbers really kind of show, if it bears it out, that you, you know, listen, you can go schedule FCS teams or whatever, and it's probably not going to hurt you if an SEC team. But just from the standpoint of you're wanting fans to show up to games these days, and we're seeing that the, the attendance is kind of declining big time when they play. You play an FCS team or a non-conference team that's uh, a group of five or middle pack group of five. Uh, administrators don't want to see those games anymore. Um, and the fans in particular, if they want to go to the game, they don't want to go to that game. They'll watch it on TV, but they won't go to the game. And they want to keep those fans in the stands. And uh, I so I think that, uh, to me, that they have to stick with that Power 5 requirement in the non-conference. Brandon Marcello joining us today on Sports Call. Brandon, the time's been greatly appreciated. Yeah. Uh, plug real quickly here what you got on 247 throughout this week. Uh, stuff. Stuff. No, yeah, SEC Media Day stuff going out to Pac-12 uh, later this week and uh, where they still don't have a TV deal. Goodness gracious. And uh, I got a story of, uh, talking to Greg Sankey. I guess I should promote that. Maybe, uh, of Greg Sankey talking about conference expansion and uh, why why going beyond 16 teams maybe just doesn't make any sense um, from a logistical standpoint. It's some interesting conversation we had. Absolutely. Brandon, we appreciate the time today. We wish you well as you go out go out west with the Pac-12, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again later this fall. All right, see you guys. As Brandon Marcello joining us today on Sports Call.